welcome to the Financial Freedom Podcast, delivered as ever with personality by the team from Rachel Bell Wealth Management, along with their special guests. Today's pod is all about my business is my pension. We've got a great guest in the shape of Sam Lyon, head of corporate and commercial from top legal firm Cartmel Shepherd, and we're also joined as ever by practice principal Rachel. Now, before we get into conversation, just to let you know that the discussion points we cover in this podcast are our own views or those of guest speakers and do not constitute financial advice. We always recommend that you speak with a professional before considering your own situation and taking action. Now, I'm really excited about this one. I'm a business owner myself, so I'm looking forward to learning plenty from the guys. Let's kick things off. As a business owner, I'm aware that my head's often in the day-to-day we have strategy, but quite often I'm taken away from that by requirements from clients and, and so on. So am I alone in that or is that common? Let's start with you, Rachel, in terms of your experience. Um, brilliant question, James, and a great way to start because, no, you're not alone in it. And I think it's natural because the reason that you started your business was because you've got really great skills. Um, you've got a lot of experience in your area with marketing, PR and all things commercial and journalism. So that's that's your day job. You know, that that's what you want to focus on and that's how you're going to build your business. So your focus is on doing exactly that. And where the kind of, I suppose, confusion comes in is, well, why would I look to engage with the financial planning and why would I look to engage with um, the legal side of things when I'm nowhere near that stage now and it's not relevant for me? I need to focus on what I do and I haven't got time to, to bring into anything else. Part of This is really part of what the pod's about today is, is to really talk about the perceptions of what that journey looks like and how actually it can allow you to freely go off and do what you're good at and allow the team in the background, legal and financial, to support your strategy to make sure that when it comes to your dream and whatever your reality looks like for that business, that we've supported you along the way to do it, but you've been allowed to get on with what you're good at. And I think the symbiosis between the financial aspects of it and the legal aspects of it will we'll learn as we get further into conversation, but I think let's just get over what perhaps is perceived as a barrier by many business people, which is time. I just don't have time to think about that stuff. I don't have time to be given tasks or homework by a financial planner because there aren't enough hours in the days as it is. Yeah. I'm going to answer that with a question, James. What would make you think that, that you were necessarily going to be given homework and what would it be for? I guess it's a perception in the sense that you're going to have a lot of questions. I might have to go away and dig things out. And it's not that I don't see the value in doing that, but time is so precious. Um, And I say this from a personal perspective, but I know that speaking to lots of friends or colleagues across different businesses in different sectors, it's it's a similar situation in terms of time being a premium. There's, There's a feeling there that, do I really want to bring somebody else in right now? Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose what the the starting point is, is about making time to have a conversation um, that you then appreciate what it's all about, um, that, that you then understand how it's going to fit in with, with your journey. Because you're right, you know, personal things often go to the bottom of a pile. And when you're a business owner, there's no distinction between what is personal and what is business. And if it is personal, it often has to wait 
because that's that's kind of a bit further down the line. So you're exactly right with with the, the time angle of it. But from a planning perspective, it should fit with your journey. It shouldn't be something that is too onerous. The main part about what we want to do is to listen to you, to learn about what you're really good at. And you know what? I've learned some of the most strange things about businesses and the most amazing things about local businesses we've got right on our doorstep just by wanting to go and see and hear about your business. So in the first instance, whether it's legal, whether it is financial, I would want to come and hear all about your business. Once I've heard all about your business, then I will be able to kind of look at building a strategy that will work with your plans. Um, and and, and, and I, I don't think that will be any different Legal it's not, myself. Rachel. It's, it's very similar from a legal perspective. It's having that initial conversation. Um, my approach, colleagues' approach at Carmel Shepherd, we just want to speak to people and understand their business and their circumstances. Um, the context we're, we're looking at, we're working in what they're looking to achieve over what kind of timescale. Um, there is limited, if any, homework, I think, as, as you called it there, James, in terms of things we need people to go away retrieve find put together and bring back to us that that conversation alone um guided by us in terms of what we we know we need to know um is is usually more than enough for us to give that initial advice and guidance as to sort of useful and helpful next steps how early is too early or how how late is too late in terms of a business journey if i'd set up my business yesterday is it too early if i'm planning to retire next year is it too late? Is there a perfect time to start engaging with financial planners and legal experts? I think the perfect time in the first instance will be driven by an event that means that you need to take some advice or you, you, you're made aware that you need to take advice. So when you're very much starting up a business, uh, then if I, if I go back to me, when I was starting up a business, you know, I've been a financial advisor for 29 years now, but I'd never set up my own business. But I knew I needed somebody to tell me how to go about doing that in the first instance, which in that instance is an accountant. Um, you know, so an accountant got me got me well underway. But then I wasn't really aware of what else I would need or when I would need to legal advice or if I needed it at all. And, and I was just focused on, well, for the last two years, getting through um, COVID as a business, which, let's face it, has been everybody's priority. But when we kind of think about too early or too late. I suppose there is an ideal. And the ideal um, for us is that we just have the conversation and then we will kind of, I suppose, we will kind of support you and, and bring in the relevant expertise when it's needed. So as a really good example of that, there's one amazing company that we've been working with now for seven years. And uh, they're just absolutely fantastic and his brain he's very much an entrepreneur um his brain goes off on so many different tangents and every time we speak to him he's setting up a new business so pinning him down to be able to sort of have some time again as you said exactly before james didn't really see the benefit but what we did was go out to see them listened to everything about their business listened to and got to know him he kind of had everything laid out on the table as to what he wanted with, with the business. And all we did at the end of that conversation was say, repeat back and summarize how amazing they're doing and some areas where we felt that we might be able to add benefit and then look as to how that would fit in with their plan. 
Now, it was only actually four years later down the line that we then really knew that we needed to bring in some legal guidance, an area that we couldn't bring in, and we we, we brought in Sam. Um, so we brought in Sam again to get to know the clients. These clients really need to understand people and be able to work with somebody. Um, so we we brought in Sam. Um, Sam got the the approval, um, if you like, but he did exactly the same as we did. What was it all about? What did they want to achieve? So all of a sudden, we were then able to turn it around to tell them how we were going to be able to help them achieve that. But again, they didn't have to do it all that day, that there was going to be a process, that they were going to be able to carry on with the business. Um, and, and Sam, when you, when you sort of talk us through where you um, kind of added value in that. Yeah, instance. I mean, my to, to James's point there, the, the general point for me is to establish that relationship with a good team of advisors, I would include legal advisors in that. I appreciate when people are busy running the businesses, quite often that initiation of a relationship is event-driven. Something happens, right, I need to go and see a solicitor or a lawyer, however you term us, and that sort of takes you to people. I would suggest get to know people sooner than that so that when you do need to pick up the phone, drop that email, go and see those people, you've already got that underlying relationship in place. You know you'll work well together and you're on the front foot going from that point. The, the client Rachel mentioned there, um, yes, we, we went out to see them. Um, very much a client with an eye to detail. So it was great to sort of talk them through the art of the possible in terms of what we what we can do for them, give them some comfort that people have been in similar positions before. Um, and there are ways of doing things um, to achieve what they're looking for. Uh, answer some of those initial queries, give them something to think about. But that was, thinking back now, probably around six six or so months ago. They've gone away to think about that. Uh, and we're now ready, up to speed with that client um, when the time is right for them to start looking at putting a sort of a structured succession in place. And I think we're coming close to that point now. But even that client's probably looking over something like a three-year horizon. So if we're looking at sort of succession, exit, retirement planning in particular, there's no right or wrong answer. But as a real rule of thumb, I would probably plump for three years just to give you that lead-in time. But what Sam was able to do that we weren't, where we knew we needed to bring in the legal expertise, was the client was in a situation where um, they were thinking about really wanting to retire and step back from the business, but built up an amazing business and just didn't know where to go next to move that strategy forward. Um, they, they, you know, they had a few solutions in their mind, but really did not know what was going to happen. Um, and that's where Sam was able to come in and pinpoint. And it's like with anything, James, you know, when you take a bit of time to get to know somebody, then you do feel a lot more comfortable about picking up the phone and just running something past somebody. And I suppose if you think about, you know, you don't always want to think that you're going to be kind of charged for every single conversation that you have or there's a perception that that's going to be the case. Well, no, because we want to invest our time and we have a very much of a long-term view. And I know that um, Sam is, is exactly the same in that front. A long-term view to be working with these clients for a lot of years going forward. And it might only be in the final kind of 12 months, if that, that, that you end up doing the business. But it's all about the relationship. And if you've got a sound relationship with people that you trust, knowing that your plan is working behind you, how good does that make you feel about carrying on with your plan? And whether that's early or late in the day, 
just have the conversation. So we've got this holy trinity almost of business owner, financial advisor, legal advisor. I can see how the conversation with a financial advisor would be a continuous thing. How does it work in the legal perspective, from a legal perspective, Sam, in the sense of are you always there sometimes in the background, sometimes in the foreground? Do you drift in and drift out? The work we do can, if you allow it to be, become more transactional. So I think the the classic perception of the, the law firm is they will sit there, there to be contacted as and when the time is right, but it's for the client to be sort of forthcoming um, as they know or believe they need assistance. Um, our approach has been more proactive than that. Look to maintain those ongoing relationships with clients, pick the phone up, ask them how things are going, purely to, to maintain that contact, take an interest in the business, understand what's happening. There may be issues they they could do with or need assistance with that they're not aware of just to it, it, it is that sort of fact find exercise almost of just having that conversation um but my personal view is a good advisor will bring a degree of simplicity and clarity as part of the conversation so it it isn't about going to see somebody to come away confused if that's happened and um, the conversation probably hasn't gone well um i know when i speak to Rachel and the team about anything financially related I generally come away with a simpler picture in my mind um, of what sits in front of me um, and clarity over it be it what the options are what the potential outcomes are how we might achieve those um, and that's what in my view you should be looking for from all your professional advisors and, and in the sense of the type of business that might access this advice is it literally everything from a one-man barbershop business through to a 300-employee, family-owned business and everything in between? It is, although the, the bulk of the work certainly we do is with family and owner-managed businesses, which themselves can range greatly in terms of um, sort of size, turnover, headcount. It, it's exactly right. I mean, I think I'll, I'll just pick up on a point that Sam said uh, um, just, just before there, James, he was just talking about the simplicity it, it, that's, that, again, is a perception where, um, we, I know we, we've talked about before, cleaning before the cleaner comes, you think that you need to understand things a lot more before you speak to somebody, and you, and you don't. Because our job is to build it into, and I know I keep talking about building it into your journey, dipping in, dipping out, having the conversations, maintaining the, in the contact. If we understand the journey that you want to go on as a business owner, then we will know periodically where to kind of pick up the phone. And sometimes you pick up the phone and you're just having a conversation, something's happening, and I might be able to tell you something that what you don't know, you don't know. And if we hadn't picked up the phone at that point, you wouldn't have known, and potentially that could either be a tax saving or something that legally could have fallen down on. So from the size of businesses, I mean, again, family and owner-managed businesses tend to be the, the most common area that we're working. Uh, but if you're a sole trader, just being able to sort of give you the guidance might not be as, as complex needs um, or as often, but still important to have the conversation. Okay, let's tackle the thorny issue of cost. So we've, we've all discussed here proactive relationships where the phone will be picked up sometimes just to check in on a client and see how they're doing. 
how does it all work? If I'm looking at my mobile and I see Sam from Cartmel Shepherd, I think, I'm not going to answer that. That's going to cost me 50 quid. <laughs> um, or, or Rachel from Rachel Bell Wealth Management. And I, and I have a similar sort of thought. Now, of course, there's huge value in the services that you guys offer. And of course, people should expect to to pay for the expertise and the, the many years of experience that you all have. But how, how does it work? Are we on legal retainers or is it a case of paying for the key services when they're delivered? How does it work in terms of the planning that you put in place, Rachel? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take that one um, first of all. And uh, I know I mentioned before about long-term relationships. So as a business owner, my ethos is very much that the risk I take initially is to make sure that I can build a relationship and really get to know somebody before I ask for their commitment. Um, so if we're in the stages of having the conversation and we've not kind of put a plan together, then, you know, th th there is no cost at that point. If a client um, wants to speak to me throughout or let's say we haven't spoken for a good few months and something's happening, they will never be given a, an invoice or a bill from me to have a conversation. Um, and that, But that's very much part about how we work and... Um, yeah, how, how, how it works and you, to be people, to be comfortable, to have that pick up the phone in the first instance, as you say, not thinking, my God, this phone call is going to cost me 50 quid. And when Sam and I were getting to know each other, actually, it was a conversation that we had, wasn't it? And part of me getting to know Sam was because when I'm referring my clients to the professional services that and the people that we want them to work with, that they know they will do a great job, I also want them to know that they can have that same building a relationship part before being thrown a bill. At the same time, I would always know that if Sam needed to go away and do some work, as you rightly say, that's service and value that needs to be uh, paid for and addressed. Um, so, Sam, I'll let you go on and, and, and talk about that a little bit more. Thanks, Rich. Uh, firstly, James, absolutely classic perception, um, but absolutely not how I deal with clients or anybody else I'm in business with whatsoever. If I did, I don't think I would have many, if any, clients. If I was a client who was treated in that way, you wouldn't see me for dust. Um, it's it's just part of the, the business that we're in. You've got to invest that time in that relationship. And yes, there will come a point where there is a piece of work or advice that is required and there'll be a discussion around what the, the costs involved will be up front um, before anything's undertaken. So there's absolute clarity and transparency there but no if i give you a call and you pick up the phone you will not receive a, a bill from me i think the, the classic example i was given by a, a client many years ago um he was in the the sort of prestige car dealing trade um, was that if somebody comes in test drives a car speaks with a salesman for an hour goes away chooses not to go forward with a purchase they don't pop an invoice in the bill to them for the time they've spent um you know dealing with during dealing with the queries it's probably not an exact like-for-like like example, but there's a lot of similarity there in terms of the way certainly we act with clients, and I know Rachel's the same as well. Um, it's just commercial common sense to me. Fantastic analogy. Very heartening to know. The, this podcast uh, is called My Business is My Pension, so let's just focus on that for, for, for a while. How many, and I'm not asking you to quantify in exact numbers, but how many owner-operated businesses have somebody at the helm that very much sees their business as their pension when they retire? And how does that even start to work in practice? Brilliant question. And and hand on heart, I can say 100%. 
Um, you know, 100% of business owners think of their business being their pension. What we want to explore is because, you know, most of the time that is absolutely the case. And we want to make sure that that is the case, that the business is going to provide what they want in their retirement. But what does that look like? You know, so what does their retirement planning look like? When might they be considering about retiring? When might they be thinking about selling the business, handing over the business um, or, you know, exiting uh, or winding down? You know, there's so many different aspects to the whole retirement planning rather than specifically just about your pension. Opening up that conversation will make sure that once we understand what that plan looks like, we can help you um, to plan for it. Because many people are also quite scared, especially if you're a business owner and you've built this up, it's your baby. And I joke with Abigail that she'd be kicking me out the door when I'm 70, you know, because I can't see myself as actually stepping down. But what I do want the option of is working a lot less um, and being able to have more time and more space um, to to explore other areas that I want to do without being without feeling redundant. So it's often um, again a, a perception, but an unknown reality because it's the business is my pension, but actually I don't know how that's going to be. Is is most often the way that it works, and again bringing that in to help the journey make sense to how that will work will involve other services apart from myself and the legal. And that's exactly one of the reasons why we've been brought in, uh, why we brought Sam in for the client we were talking about before, because they really now want to have a three-year plan to retire. I think that's right. And I think for me, it's what what does that retirement look like? Is it a capital or a cash lump sum from a sale or a disposal of the business? Is it the level of income from that business, either remaining a an owner or a part owner in the business, you know, taking a dividend, etc. Is it on a reduced basis, Rachel? I took note there. Um, still working within the business, albeit for a period of time. You know, people are working later and later. In a, in a previous life, I've worked in financial services, and you know, you can take out a mortgage now, well into your seventies and eighties, from most lenders. Um, so people have financial commitments now into retirement um, that that you wouldn't have done, say, twenty or thirty years ago. I'm sure when it was a reasonably hard stop at that sort of possibly even 60 then, God forbid. I dread to think when it will be when I uh, I get to uh, hang up the uh, the quill, as it were. But, uh... so, and, and lightening stuff. I, I don't think we can let the pod come to an end without reflecting, Sam, on your former life as a mobile disc jockey. And my question to you is, did you ever see that business as your pension and what went wrong? Um, <laughs> <laughs> possibly in the early days. But um, no, alas, um, yeah, moving away to university put paid to that. But um, but no, it was all good, all good life experience. And um, it, it has come up in a, a number of um, interviews um, over the years, including for some quite senior roles. But it's, yeah, I, I certainly don't regret it. All good fun. Nostalgia. Nostalgia indeed. Yeah. Every week in the pod, we take a myth and we seek to bust it open with the expert advice and insights of our guests. This week's myth is that I don't need a pension 
because I have a business and that is my pension. I'm going to open the floor to Rachel and Sam. Who's going to go first to crack this nut wide open? I think I, it would be rude for me not to go first on this one, Sam. Sorry, to, you used to be jumping in anyway, aren't you? Um, business owners don't need a pension. It's actually a yes and a no to that. I think once you understand, first of all, how much tax you can save, um, which let's face it, you know, tax is going one way and that's up. Um, so ultimately how uh, your plan and how paying into a retirement pot for you and for your business can save an awful lot of tax and be very, very tax efficient uh, going forward. But again, you need to understand where that fits into your journey. And do you need to kind of make contributions now when you're just starting out? The answer to that is it's probably not realistic. Um, so there's all sorts that fit in. Your business will form part of the pension. A pension will form part of your retirement and many other things as well uh, that come into the equation. So at what level and when? Again, it's about having the conversation and understanding your options, which is where um, we will come in. Sam? I think the only thing I would add to that is, in my view, yes, your business can be your pension, but don't take it for granted. Um, I think you, you do need to think about it along the way, plan, and don't just expect that come that that day when you come to hang up your boots or whatever work attire you, uh, you're done in the morning, um, that the business will be the pension at that point. There's a lot of... Um, of work and input that goes into making it happen. And on that note, Sam, as you know, I do like to get the best word, the last word in James. Sam, there's so many areas that we can talk about here and actually that, that I know that we're both very passionate about. So what I would like to do at this point, uh, no pressure, is to ask you if you will come back again and talk about other areas, but also um, to kind of open that up to say, please do get in touch with us and uh, you're on any of our social channels, LinkedIn, Facebook, and for business owners, if there is any area that you would like to hear more about from myself or from Sam, then please do let us know. So Sam, will you come back? I'll be delighted to, although I'll uh, leave James with hosting duties. <laughs> Thank you very much. Biggest result of the day, Sam will return. Sam, thanks very much for joining us. Rachel, as ever, thank you for your time. And we look forward to speaking with everybody in the next episode of The Pod. We always want to hear what you've got to say about The Pod or if you've got any questions about the world of financial planning or wealth management. And we'd love for you to get in touch. You can find us on our social media channels across Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram simply by typing Rachel Bell Wealth Management into the search bar and as if by magic the ladies will appear or you can head to our website rachelbellwealthmanagement.co.uk where you'll find lots of details and a contact us form. We also need to share that Rachel Bell Wealth Management is an appointed representative of and represents only St James's Place Wealth Management PLC, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority for the purpose of advising solely on the group's wealth management products and services, more details of which are set out on the group's website, sjp.co.uk forward slash products. The St James's Place Partnership and the title partner practice are marketing terms used to describe St. James's Place representatives.